it was a record-breaking year for M&A in 2021, with overall deals up 24% year-over-year. And almost 40% of those deals involves a private equity fund. But that doesn't mean that every merger experienced corporate wedded bliss. This is Rich McKay of Workday. Today on the Workday Podcast, we're talking with Michael Hemingway of Alice Solutions and Mark Turner, who just retired after 30 plus years. They'll share insights about the trends driving M&A and professional services and best practices for M&A success. I'm really happy that you're joining us today. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Rich. Yeah, thank you, Rich. Happy to be here. If you could introduce yourselves and explain a little bit more about your role in their life, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I can go first. Uh, hi, this is Michael Hemingway. I am the revenue practice lead in Alight's professional services practice. And I help our clients who are on their path towards Workday Financials implementation, particularly focused on the aspects of order to cash business processes. Yep. Hi, I'm Mark Turner. Um, I'm a vice president in our Alight Workday Financials practice. I have 30 plus years actually working in finance and have, you know, have seen the, the transformation as a light actually uh, moved off of legacy ERP and into, into the Workday ecosystem. So let's start out with the uh, first question. So it's a big one. So why have uh, professional services firms seen an uptick in M&A activity? I think that there are probably a couple of factors at play. One is, as businesses themselves become more global in nature, then professional services firms that have been supporting them also, you know, have seen the need to meet their customers where they're at. And so that, that has led to some global expansion, expanding footprints. And I think in, you know, there's also been a desire in part in some service sectors to expand their, their, their footprint vertically. So by vertically, I mean, you know, where they were, you know, maybe they were just providing payroll service. They now want to provide all of the employee benefit services. So it's, it's payroll, it may be health benefits, it may be pension benefits, administration. And so there's the addition of services within a professional services player to, to provide a greater one-stop shop. Yeah, I, I would agree with uh, that point that, that Mark was just making. And I think some of what drives the uh, M&A activity is that there is more automation around service delivery in the professional services sphere. And so when you're trying to expand vertically, it's not as simple as just introducing a new service to your existing customer base. There's usually some technology component to it that requires some development work around that. And I think firms like Alight are seeing that sometimes it you know you can move faster by targeted acquisitions with a partner who already has a good solution in that space rather than you know sort of that builder buy uh, decision. Great, thank you. And, and next I want to ask you, uh, so why have services firms uh, been targeted by uh, private equity firms? Like what's so unique about them that makes them so tantalizing to PE? I, I think actually that technology is playing a large part in this and that, you know, with, within services firms, as, you know, as Mike alluded to before, there's, there's, there's been a, a growth in you know, business process as a service and, and other you know, digitization of services. Which actually means that the mark, the industry is undergoing 
tremendous change. And that, that can be attractive for private equity investors who, you know, who, who are looking for places where there are opportunities for generating superior returns. You know, and and being a market disruptor, first first to market with with new technology or new service offering, um, can often often give you significantly uh, improved returns on investment. Okay, great. And so, what do these acquisitions mean long term for the industry? Private equity is going to be looking for that opportunity for a return on their investment. Right? So they're going to be injecting capital into um, into the market, um, building out greater automation around AI or RPA or, or natural language technology, sort of the, the, that investment opportunity to accelerate the delivery of, of an, a more automated service. That I think is going to drive you know, a lot more growth in, in the kind of technology needs of, uh, of services firms. Okay, great. And so what's, you know, on that point, what's the key to success, like when it comes to these acquisitions? If it's PE acquisitions, maybe we take it in kind of the two different aspects. If we're talking about private equity uh, making acquisitions in here, then I think it's, you know, understanding the path of, uh, of, of that investment, what is the expected exit event for that investor? Are they looking to, you know, do some form of a public offering? Are they looking to, you know, just you know, spin it off at some point down the road? They're planning to hold it, you know, for a longer term. I think, you know, knowing what the investment strategy is around that is going to drive uh, some of the keys to success. And then knowing what they are going to require, during that period of investment in terms of their oversight, their visibility into financial performance from a reporting perspective, having those expectations clear and having the systems and tools and processes in place to support that, of course, can be very important. If it's, you know, talk about M&A from, a, you know, more of a services firm that's that's the acquirer purchasing little tuck-in acquisitions that are supplementing their service offering globally or vertically, then again, it comes down to the technology integration, I think, right? What is your strategy? What is your plan for folding that acquisition into your, your enterprise architecture? Yeah, and, and I would, I mean, I would just add one further point onto Mike's, which is, I'll call it understanding your organization's pain threshold, for which I mean, what managing one M&A, relatively straightforward, manageable. Um, but if you're managing multiple M&A activities, um, then you know, it's important to go in understanding how much change you're introducing into both the acquiring and acquired organizations and you know, that, that you have, if like, bench strength to be able to manage all of those various moving parts. And, and, you know, and, and also equally importantly, understanding how those moving parts are going to come together. Because oftentimes, I mean, we've seen instances where you play that combination of an organization that, that has moved into a PE environment that is now moving an M&A very quickly, is possibly standing up its own technology stack at the same time as it's, it's acquiring and assimilating others. And with that comes some very careful consideration about the impacts of technology change and, and you know the impacts obviously on, on the colleagues as well. Yeah, that's very interesting. And and it 
Can at least my next question, like how can organizations adjust to these MNAs, to new processes, single entity moving to large groups of entities, different geographic locations, you name it. Like, so what can they do to help manage that? This is going to sound very um, oversimplistic, but actually having a plan for you know, how you, you know, how where you can integrate technologies, um, and uh, also thinking about the impact of those technological changes on the colleague base as well, because oftentimes you know we we kind of overfocus on how how am I bringing my HR systems, my financial systems, my back office you know, um, administration systems together. Um, without necessarily thinking through and how how the colleagues that are currently managing in those environments are going to be impacted. And like I said before, spending time up front in working through the, so this is what we want to do, and then kind of you know, spitballing the, and these are the potential impacts, actually can often throw out some interesting conundrums or opportunities. Um, because you know, sometimes you may have a desire to move move in a particular direction at a particular speed, but actually, as you you, know, you invest in the team that's going to be making managing this change, that there may be unforeseen obstacles that mean that you actually have to be flex more flexible in your approach. Yeah, I think uh, to add on a little bit to to Mark's points, <clears throat> like I was saying before, uh, if you're looking at private equity that's invested in in a services firm, understanding their exit plan and planning ahead for that event. So for example, if a public offering is the, you know, is a potential outcome, don't wait until that deadline is looming to start getting yourself ready from a systems and processes perspective in terms of the kind of controls, the kind of audit procedures, the reporting that you're going to need in order to support an organization going public. You're going to be making these technology investments plan for what that looks like, what that future, and again, like Mark said, maybe that's somewhat obvious, but but I think that's one of the things that we've seen help uh, firms be really successful um, is when they start building those controls in. And then, of course, you know, from a technology financial systems perspective, cloud solution is going to really help you in this uh, in, in terms of having a lot of that already built into the application, the ability to expand globally already supported in, uh, you know, if you're choosing the right partner in that space, these are the things that you want to be thinking about. Excellent. Thank you. And a somewhat related question. So how would you integrate a new company into the buying firm processes and maybe more directly like other in, talk about any related issues and how you might solve them about delaying or not delaying the integration? Or related to a quick spinoff of a new company? Yeah, I think, I mean, this, this, is, this is actually a great question. And unfortunately, I think the, the answer is it, it depends. There, there can be a great desire to move quickly uh, with speed, and that's great. But do you actually know what your future state you know, organization is actually going to look like? Because, you know, we've seen examples where rushing to add on an acquisition um, creates more heartburn for you then only to several months later to decide actually this isn't the future organizational state that we wanted we really just added one plus one and and really what we wanted to do was one times one and so thinking up front about what you want the future state to be can actually sometimes make 
the, you know, the, the decision as to how quickly to integrate um, a, much, a much more thoughtful and transformational process. Yeah, I would agree. It's not a simple answer. It's something that each organization is going to have to weigh uh, what, how things uh, will work best for them uh, in terms of their current operation and the, the company that they're absorbing. One thing I think in the services firm that you really need to think about in terms of making that successful and what's the right timing is the, the client view of things, right? So, if you're a services firm, like we talked about before, your objective in that acquisition is probably expanding your services and the total offering that you bring to your customer base. And you want that to be somewhat seamless from the client's perspective, uh, especially as you start to penetrate um, areas that maybe you don't have services currently being offered. So that's going to be one of your drivers from a system perspective of being able to present a coherent, unified view to the client. And that can be as simple as how you're tracking time to that project. If, if you're billing that customer, you know, presenting everything to them in a single invoice, some of those things are going to be, uh, you know, considerations and how quickly uh, you, you're going to want to integrate but you need to balance that with the internal view as well. And I think one of the important things to look at is responsibilities within the organization. How do you merge that together? Who has PNL ownership? Who has client ownership? And you need to be ready for that impact and that change so that internally you're managing these clients coherently while you're also kind of presenting that single view to the customer. Yeah, and that's really interesting. And, you know, it's as, as Mark mentioned about the, the heartburn, uh, perhaps, you know, balancing those employee needs with uh, business needs is a, is a heartburn. I don't know what the antacid is, but uh, could you expand more about that? How, how do you balance those employee needs with business needs? Again, I think, I mean, it has to be a considered approach and, and thinking through the, you know, the potential consequences you know, the there is, you know, always a very strong desire to make quiet organizations feel part of the of the new new organization. But sometimes there can be kind of a, a hidden sting in the tail of moving too soon without having thought through the consequences. You know, if you you bring everybody in into the same internal ecosystem, let's say you have a you know com- company wide intranet, um, you know, you just have to be mindful of. If you're, if you're introducing a newly acquired organization into that intranet, are you potentially exposing information that may, may be advertising benefits that they're not able to access? And so what once could have been a positive onboarding experience has now turned into a not so great experience because those, those colleagues now feel like they're they're not really part of the new organization. They're, they're still just that kind of like that add-on that sits on the side. Then there are some of the, I'm going to call it the, the real sort of hard consequences of thinking through when you're going to do things because you know, make, make changes at the inappropriate time and, and potentially the acquired colleagues, you know, certainly in the US, may, may be having to you know, provide two W-2s for, for, the, for the year if you're, if you're changing employing companies. And even probably more painful than that is if there are different, say, health benefit plan years, then again, unless that's managed correctly, 
know, potentially benefit you know, that some it's colleagues, some colleagues may be adversely affected by actually having two benefit plans in the same benefit year. Um, you know, if you're not careful there, then then they may they may potentially be exposed to um, twice the cost, not something like twice the cost of of what they would have because two benefit plans equals two deductibles, um, etc. It's kind of focusing on the, the these are things that, that can go wrong, but but the reality is, is that oftentimes you know acquired you know acquired companies want to feel part of the new organisation, and so just a little a little bit of, of careful thought as to how you can make that a positive experience. You know, maybe maybe by introducing them to the organisation, showcasing what their capabilities are, um, and and, and and making sure that you have line of sight to how this how this will come across as a as a positive onboarding, rather than these are the things that they're losing or these are the things that they don't don't currently have access to. Excellent. So, how can Alight and Workday help services firms with M and A? Like, you know, the solutions they can help provide. Yeah, I think Workday from a financial system and HCM perspective, you know, addresses a lot of the concerns that uh, or, or areas of, you know, uh, focus that we talked about for M&A to be successful. From a financial system perspective, you've got controls designed into the solution already. You've got some of the security design that, that you're going to need in terms of protecting information. You've got, you know, well-established payroll and financial accounting solutions for supporting global expansion. So I think from a you know system perspective, there, there's a lot there that, that helps a services firm on that path towards being successful. I was going to add on to that. You know, within, within the Workday ecosystem, you know, some, sometimes it's, it's easy to jump to you know, how quickly can we get everybody onto the same HCM, same payroll, same, same financial platform. But actually, with with Workday, um, we don't we don't need to think of it in terms of how quickly can we get everybody onto the same platform because you know if it if it's just a single entity in a single country that's you know, fairly straightforward. But but most M and A aren't necessarily like that. They can involve multiple entities, multiple countries. At which point, then then any integration is is inevitably going to take a little while. But Workday offers the ability to not have to worry about that full integration from day one. You know, with with, with the ability to, to bring data into you know the, the front end through Prism, um, we can actually start to blend data without having to fully change systems from day one, which actually provides you know HR leaders with a with an overall organizational chart. It provides you know the financial organization with the ability to bring together financials, albeit, you know, maybe maybe at a slightly more summarized level, but at least they're you know, actually able to start seeing the full organization from the outset. Yeah, that's a good point. I think accounting center, you know, Prism slash accounting center as a as a uh, service offering, as a solution from Workday really can help bridge that interim period as a company is on that path towards full system integration across its acquired entities. Thank you for listening to our conversation about professional services with Michael Hemingway and Mark Turner from Alight Solutions. 
Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And remember, you can find our entire catalog at workday.com slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you have a great work day.